Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm not Alex, I'm Holt, and uh, Alex could not make it tonight, but I am joined by JB. JB, what's up? I'm doing pretty well, Holt. Yeah, it's unfortunate Alex cannot be here with us tonight. Uh, He's celebrating his two-year anniversary with his girlfriend, so congratulations to him. But also, let's say congratulations to all of us. We've made it through the offseason, and we are almost there, folks. Uh, The season's upon us, and I am excited to do this preview for not just the SEC, but for the entire country. So let's get ready to rock and roll. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We actually have some actual football on the Saturday um, not exactly opening day, I guess you'd call it like a like a soft opening um, of some some sort. Um, Florida and Miami uh, would be playing. At least you got a halfway decent matchup this year. Um, you know, obviously Dan Mullen matching up against his former defensive coordinator, two-time defensive coordinator Manny Diaz uh, on the other side. Um, just go ahead and uh, you know we don't really have to beat her on the bush too much. We're gonna get straight into it. We're gonna have um, you know as JB's. Uh, text tone goes off there in the background, Mr. Family Guy. And uh, but anyway, um, nonetheless, we're gonna talk about um, basically the entire season, our predictions for the season. Just kind of give you like a rundown on you know, kind of like like rapid fire style about uh, you know some some players that we think are gonna break out, some teams that break, they're gonna surprise, teams are gonna disappoint, coaches. Being fired, bowl predictions, like kind of stuff like that. Just kind of run through it real quick. Just kind of give you guys like a rundown, just so we can kind of put it on the record, you know, before the season starts. So you know we can come back later and talk about how right we were. Um, but anyway, we we can go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about this Florida Miami game. JB coming up on Saturday, um, as I stated, Manny Diaz and Dan Mullen rekindling a nice uh, on and off friendship, and uh, you know coaching uh, together type situation so um, what do you think about this matchup on Saturday? Yeah this matchup really excites me it's uh, you know renewing of rivalry between Miami and Florida uh, it's unfortunate they can't play every year but you know Florida already plays my or Florida already plays Florida State so if they played Miami every year that'd be two non-conference matchups two two tough non-conference matchups already every year so it's unfortunate they can't make that happen but this is a good matchup between two coaches, like you said, that are really familiar with each other. Manny Diaz is coach for Dan Mullen as a defensive coordinator for two stints at Mississippi State. So you know that they both are very familiar with each other's systems. Uh, Dan Mullen has said that uh, Manny Diaz is one of the brightest coaches he's ever had coach for him. And I think Diaz is going to be a good coach for for uh, Miami in the in the long haul. I really don't know what to expect from this Miami team this year. I've seen you. I think they can be picked anywhere from seven to ten wins. Uh, they got some pieces on defense. I mean, their defense I think is going to be pretty stout. It's what I really want to see out of the offense. Uh, you know, they had a three quarterback battle with, of course, Tate Martell not winning the starting job, which was, you know, big news around the country. But I really don't know what to expect in this game. Uh, Florida's had some uh, crazy stuff happen happen during the uh, fall camp with some. You know, Dan Mullen having to answer questions about some of his players and discipline issues. And on the flip side, you got uh, Miami, a new coach, you know, new culture he's trying to install, both playing on a neutral side in Orlando. It's really hard to really know what to expect. Uh, I know that you and I are going to be in Tunica watching this game together. And I think the line is currently seven points uh, in favor of Florida. I haven't checked recently, but I think that's where it currently stands. Um, if I was a betting man, I would actually probably pick uh, Miami, possibly to cover that. 
Um, but I would, I'm probably going to lean to Florida. I think Florida's got the edge, you know, with, with the continuity that they have. But I think this game is going to be really close. It's going to be in the single digits. Yeah, I think that's, this has a chance to be a really exciting game. Um, maybe not the most high-scoring game, but definitely, um, you know, close um, rivalry-type game. Um, you know, both coaches have sort of a rivalry with each other. And then, um, you know, obviously the two teams both being located in the state of Florida. Um, so I definitely think this has a chance to be a really exciting matchup. And uh, I'm not sure what the over-under is, but I would definitely – the first thing that jumps out to me when I see this matchup would be the under um, – you know, assuming it's not too low. But, I mean, that being said, um, you know, it's just excited to, do, uh, to actually have some football to watch. And as you said, yeah, we're going to be down in Tunica at the Sportsbook down there. So, um, you know, just cool. About about 45 minutes to an hour away from us. So pretty nice uh, pretty nice little Saturday going down to Tunica and place a few bets, maybe some season bets. And uh, we'll get into some of that stuff um, here in a minute. Um I mean, I guess, do you have anything else you wanted to say about this game before we get into all that? Um, I think we pretty much covered what we want to cover. I mean, we both uh, picked Florida in our season preview for Florida to win this game, and I'm sticking with Florida. But I actually do like this Miami team to keep this game close and competitive. I think this is going to come down all the way through all 60 minutes, and I think it's going to finish uh, with a single-digit victory for Florida. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Florida's going to get the win, but... Definitely a low, lower scoring game uh, in this one, um, if I had to say. But either way, I mean, just excited to have some football on. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and we're just going to you know run through this pretty quick. It's not going to be a long episode. Um, we're just going to kind of give you like quick rundown of the season. You know, just kind of preview it for you and just kind of like where we stand on everything. Um, we've already had, done all our previews for everybody except for Alabama and Georgia, and we're actually going to be doing those two together. Um, is one podcast just because, you know, I mean, I feel like there's plenty of Georgia and Alabama news out there all the time. You can pretty much just watch, yeah. like, ESPN or Bomb or anything, and, like, you're going to get plenty of coverage on those two teams. Yeah, so. and no disrespect to Georgia and Alabama fans, but you guys get enough coverage for your teams. Uh, with us at SEC Slow Smoke, we want to give all 14 schools equal coverage. And, I, I mean, we're definitely giving Alabama and Georgia coverage, but – I think everyone knows enough about what the what to expect from these two teams, but we want to give the other 12 schools enough publicity, too. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I feel like a lot of other schools kind of get lost in the shuffle, and, you know, those uh, those other fan bases are just as passionate about football as, you know, Georgia and Alabama fans are. Maybe they're just not as nationally well-known and talked about and maybe not as big of a story going into the season. So, you know, no disrespect intended there. I mean, obviously, like, Georgia and Alabama are going to be the two best teams in the SEC this year, and, you know, probably really likely going to make it to Atlanta. So, you know, it should be another exciting year for uh, for those two fan bases, I'm sure. Um, but that being said, we're just going to go ahead and get into it. Um, these are not really in a particular order because I just kind of threw them together. But um, we have uh, maybe about 20, maybe 15, 20 uh, categories. And we're just going to run through them pretty quick. Some of them are pretty basic. Some of them are a little bit more, um, you know, elaborate. Uh, but we're going to get into them. And uh, first one, pretty plain and simple. Uh, JB, who is your uh, player of the year this year in the SEC? Uh, that title will belong to Tua Tagovailoa. Care to elaborate on that at all? Just Tua? Uh, just Tua. I mean, he's he's going to put up incredible numbers with this offense. I know Saban's going to want to, uh, you know, and definitely push the run game more. But with those three or even four weapons, when you can count uh, Devontae Smith in the mix... Uh, they're going to put up incredible numbers this year. Like I said uh, in previous podcasts, I think this Alabama offense will be possibly even better than it was last year, and that's incredible to say. Did you see that Jerry Judy is the number one player on Mel Carver's big board? I did not, but seeing a wide receiver number one on there is pretty funny. Yeah, I was about to say, you know he must be pretty good for a wide receiver to be number one on there. Uh, But anyway, I also have Tua, um, not to be too boring, but you know, I just think he's the best player in the conference, and you know, really the only question with him is whether or not he can stay healthy. He definitely got banged up a little bit at the end of last year. Um, so hopefully he's able to stay healthy and uh, keep performing at a high level. Um, next up, we got our breakout player of the year. This is someone who maybe some people know, but is really going to take that step forward and become uh, one of the best, better players in the conference. Um, who do you have for your breakout player in 2019? Yeah, this player I think is one that uh, is really kind of slightly under the radar and 
Um, and it almost sounds kind of biased that I'm saying this, but I just think it's a great situation for him. And I'm, I'm going to pick uh, Jared Garantano. Uh, last year he only had, I think he only threw about four interceptions and about 17 touchdowns. If I'm, I think that's about what his numbers were. Um, but with the addition of Jim Chaney and uh, the weapons he has at wide receiver and an improving offensive line, I think he's poised to uh, have a breakout season this year and put up some good numbers. And with that said, uh, I mean, I think Tennessee takes a few steps forward in the win-loss column. I don't think they'll go back to a bowl, but it all depends on how Jarek Antona progresses. And with him having uh, uh, Jim Chaney as offensive coordinator and Chris Wanky, a former Heisman winner, coaching him up at quarterback, uh, I think that's going to be a really good situation for him, and I like him to uh, break through this year. Yeah, it's a really good pick, and um... – you know, I know a lot of people may think that we're being biased, but I mean, I promise JB definitely struggled with that, and he did not want to pick Jared Cantano, but he just felt like that was the best pick. And I'm also going to be a homer too, as much as I hate to. This is probably the only time um, in this podcast where I really feel like I'm being a homer, but I'm actually going to go with Kylan Hill, uh, the Mississippi State running back. Um, I just think that you know he kind of he had a pretty big first half last year, had a couple of big games early in the season, but. Uh, Kind of a hamstring injury held him back a little bit the second half of the year, and kind of just a lack of production in the passing game really allowed defenses to key in on him. Um, I think this year um, he's going to be more healthy. I think they're going to be able to be more explosive in the passing game. That's really going to open up a lot for him. Um, you know, I think we're going to see more um, Joe Moorhead's offense look the way it did at Penn State um, in year two, and I just think that Colin Hill can sort of fill that Saquon Barkley role. I don't, you know, I'm not saying it's quite that good, but. You know, Colin Hill's a really talented player, and I could really see him taking that next step and uh, becoming, you know, an all-conference running back, which is really saying a lot because the SEC is really stout at running back. Um, and moving on to the next topic, we have uh, best newcomer. Uh, this doesn't necessarily have to be a freshman. Uh, it could also be maybe a junior college transfer, but just someone who was not in the conference last year who we think is going to have a big impact this year. Um, who you got, JB? Uh, well, now that this situation has been resolved, I am going to go with Bo Nix, the freshman quarterback from Auburn. Uh, when you look at Gus Malzahn's history, first-year quarterbacks that perform with him always uh, come out of nowhere and have an outstanding season. Uh, look at Dick Marshall, Jarrett Sinnamon, their first years under uh, Gus, Gus Malzahn. They were incredible. I mean, Bo Nix, like, this is a uh, Alabama, or an Auburn legacy. I mean, his dad played at Auburn. Uh, back in his heyday, and now Bo Nix is following suit. He grew up a huge Auburn fan, uh, lives and breathes Auburn football, and now he's playing quarterback for the school that he grew up loving. I mean, this, the, that passion is going to translate onto the field, too. And in that system, with him being a really good uh, pocket passer, but also a dual-threat quarterback and able to make plays with his legs, I really like him in the system, especially with Gus Malzahn calling plays. And I think Bo Nix is going to be a guy that SEC fans are going to know Pretty damn well uh, midway through the season. So you're saying it's bow time? It's bow time. All right. Definitely shout out to Bojangles. Wish we had him in Memphis, but we don't. So RIP to Bojangles. Um, and uh, my breakout, or I guess newcomer, um, it's category wrong now. So uh, newcomer that I'm going to go with is going to be John Emery from LSU, true freshman running back, five-star. Um, really talented player, really exciting, um, explosive physical uh, complete running back. Um, I just think that he's going to have a really big year at LSU. I don't think they really have an elite running back. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a really solid running back, and he can do a lot of things for you, catch the ball in the backfield, um, you know, and he's a solid running back. Um, but I just think Emory is, you know, just more of a complete back, more of a explosive back, more of a playmaker. And um, I just, you know, I think running back's one of those positions that guys can come in and make an impact as a true freshman. Um, I do really like your pick of Bo Nix. Um, honestly, uh, had we done this podcast a week ago, my breakout player may have actually been uh, Joey Gatewood, who he actually beat out for the starting <laughs> position. So I'm glad we did not do that last week uh, because I thought that I, I, I really felt like whoever won the Auburn job was going to have a big year. But, um, you know, now that it, Bo Nix has won, I definitely think that's a solid pick as well because. You know, um, Malzahn kind of does like to work his magic with those first-year quarterbacks, and Nick's definitely has some uh, playmaking ability with yeah. his legs. So yeah, and uh, you look at the his in the recent history in the SEC, freshman quarterbacks have had a lot of success in recent years. I mean, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, 
and Jake Fromm, all three guys that were absolute suds in their freshman year, and I think Bo Nix is next up. Yeah, and I mean Jake Bentley played well as a true yeah, freshman. Yeah, Jake Bentley too. I mean, there's been there's been a decent amount, a lot more than you might think. Um, you know, I I don't know if that's just high school offenses or all these quarterback camps or whatever, but guys come in, they're ready to play. Um, all right, and then uh, moving on uh, to our surprise team of the year. Who is who is a surprise team in the SEC this year, JB, that you think could really surprise some people and is not getting enough preseason love this year? Well, I've got two options. Um, my surprise team is Auburn. I think that they're poised for a big-time turnaround. Uh, this they've have, They always have on and off years with uh, Gus Malzahn, and I think this is going to be an on year because they're preseason ranked number 16 in the AP poll. That is right where they need to be because – Usually, when they're preseason ranked in that in that area, coming off a, a disappointing season, they usually have a breakout season. I think this is their year, but also an underrated pick would be Missouri. I think that uh, they're going to have a huge step up in their win loss total. I think uh, they could possibly get up to ten wins, but just because of how uh, uh, favorable their schedule sets up for them this season. But I've got them at nine and three, so I mean, I think they're going to take a step up as well. But on the field, I think Auburn's going to be very very much improved from last season yeah I definitely agree with Auburn and that was uh kind of who I was wanting to pick here um I kind of had a gut feeling that you're going to pick them so I actually had a backup and I'm actually going to go with South Carolina I think a lot of people are you know maybe sleeping on South Carolina a little bit this year I mean I think they just look at the schedule and they're just like you know oh there's no way and I'm not saying they're going to win 10 games or anything like that but you know, I feel like a lot of people just kind of dismiss them because the schedule is so hard. But they're a really talented team. Jake Bentley, um, you know, didn't obviously finish the season great in the bowl game last year. But I think after that Clemson game, they just weren't really interested. Um, not trying to make excuses for them or anything like that. Um, I mean, they got shut out. So, you know, definitely not a good performance at all in that bowl game. But um, I just – I really like Jake Bentley. I think he's a little bit undervalued going into this season. Um, he's got some explosive receivers like, you know, Edwards and, uh, you know, Rico Dowell's back again this year. So, you know, I just think they have a chance to be kind of explosive on offense and kind of surprise some teams. Um, you know, it just, and not to mention, uh, you know, the defense is back healthy again this year. They got really banged up, you know, at the end of last season and they weren't really playing their best ball. So, you know, much champion a defensive guy and a good recruiter. Like, I just think that, you know, one more year with his recruits and one more year of him, having his hands on that defense, I just feel like they're they're going to be able to take a step forward. And with that offense, I just think it's a good pairing. And not to mention, Will Muschamp's teams always do really well on special teams, um, which is really undervalued as well. Um, and then, so that's our surprise teams. And then how about maybe some disappointing teams this year? Maybe some teams that are getting a little bit too much love in the preseason that uh, we think maybe won't have a, as great of a 2019. Um, there's a few options I could go with here. Um, one of the, I'm trying to think how many I want to give. Is it all right if I give two or should I stick with one? Um, you do it any way you want to do it. All right. This is the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. You know, we can do it however we want. Uh, we don't have any limitations here. I'm going to pick two of them and they're both going to be from the East. I think, uh, South Carolina could be one team that could be on the fringe of, uh, maybe not making a bowl this year because of how their <coughs> schedule sets up. But I, I think they're barely going to sneak in at six and six, but that's going to be, I don't know how South Carolina fans are going to react to that. They might be a little disappointed by it. But another one I have, um, well, I might save this one for later. We're, we're going to roll with South Carolina for now. Well, so you just bounce back with my surprise team. is going to be your disappointing team. So I say they're underrated. You say they're overrated. That's interesting. Uh, but it's kind of like for opposite reasons because I said that they're actually better then people give them credit for because their schedule is so hard, and then you're saying they're going to be disappointed because their schedule is so hard. So. I'm saying they're well, also just because um, it seems like Jake Bentley has regressed uh, each season uh, at South Carolina, and I really want to see him improve because I, I was a big fan of him going into last season, and uh, he uh, just kind of disappointed me. And uh, I'm I'm not I'm still not completely sold on Muschamp. I think next year is really going to be more of their uh, put up or shut up kind of season. Uh, that schedule they have this year is just really difficult for them to navigate. But uh, they got a really good uh, quarterback waiting behind uh, Jake Bentley that they're going to have playing next year. And maybe next year could be their year to uh, make some noise in the East. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see where you're coming from on that. And I'm definitely not huge on Will Muschamp either, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I just feel like 
you gotta buy low. You gotta buy stock while yeah. it's low. Yeah, like I, he's a great personality in the SEC. I mean, he's definitely the best on the gr- big green egg, and he will definitely tell you that he is the he is the master there. And I mean, he's a defensive guy. He's floated around uh, five different programs in the SEC throughout his coaching career, so he knows his way around the conference. But uh, he's definitely got to prove himself uh, in the next year or two. Okay, and uh, who's the team? Well, I guess I didn't answer that, so I'll answer it real quick. I'm actually going to say Georgia is going to be a little bit disappointing this season. Not disappointing like bad, like they're going to go like 6-6 six and six or anything like that. Um, I actually have them going 10-2. I have them losing to Auburn on the road. And then also had them losing the cocktail party to Florida. Um, not really sure why. Just I feel like Dan Mullen has put so much emphasis on that game. Like I, I don't know. Um, you know, I definitely think Georgia's better, but it's just I don't know. Something in my mind just makes me feel like that Florida's going to find a way to get under Georgia's skin and drag them down to their level, uh, so to speak. And I don't know. Like it's I don't really have like a football reason for why I think they're gonna win that game. I just like I just have a gut feeling that Florida's gonna be able to sneak that game out this year. I just feel like it's really important to them. And um, you know, it's just I feel like it's a big rivalry and you just never really know in those types of games. And not to mention that Florida's always kinda had Georgia's number over the last, you know, twenty years or so. Um, you know, aside from the last few. Um but that being said, I still think Georgia's gonna be really good. Um I just think that, you know, some of their you know, losing Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator, um, kind of some unproven receivers, um, you know, defensively, you know, new defense coordinator this year as well. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how all that transition goes. And, you know, I think people just assume that they're just going to plug and play, you know, just like Nick Saban does at Alabama. But, you know, maybe Kirby, you know, hasn't mastered that, uh, you know, that skill of being able to replace assistants and coordinators every year and not miss a beat. You know, I don't know if, if he's gotten to that point yet or not. Um, I do like Jake Fromm a lot, but, you know, I mean, I still think they're going to be really good. I just think that, you know, it's hard to go undefeated every year, and I, I just could definitely see Georgia losing a couple games this year. Yeah, I mean, Coley, uh, the new offense coordinator that was placing Jim Cheney, has some play-calling experience in the past, came from Miami, and uh, he's he's not, not going to be – I don't know if it's going to be that much of a drop-off, but I think there's going to be a good level of continuity because he is. it's going to be pretty much the same system. But, uh, you know, it, it's not just the system. It's also the play calling as well. And uh, Jim Chaney has been well-known in the last few years as a really good play caller in the SEC. Of course, Georgia fans may attest to it, but uh, he's been highly respected around not just the league but around the country. He's one of the better play callers around. And it's definitely going to be a little slight transition going to Coley. All right, and who, um, which coach, um, in your opinion, in the SEC? I feel like it's kind of pretty much between two, but I'm just going to open up the question to the entire SEC. But which coach do you think is most likely to be fired before the season ends? Yeah, I mean, there's really only two obvious candidates here between uh, Gus Malzahn and Matt Luke. But I'm going to go with Matt Luke because I just, I'm, I'm a believer in uh, Auburn this year to make a big turnaround, like I said just a few minutes ago in this podcast. And I think Gus Malzahn is going to have a lot to prove. And I think he's going to be able to make it through this entire season before Auburn decides what to do with him. Matt Luke, on the other hand, it would be the one that could be the possible candidate to get fired midseason. Do I think either will get fired midseason? No. But I, I would pick Matt Luke to be the more obvious candidate to be potentially fired midseason. Yeah, there's really only four coaches in the SEC, maybe five that I could see possibly being on the hot seat this year um, in any capacity. That would be Matt Luke and Gus Malzahn, obviously, and then also maybe Muschamp, Barry Odom, and Derek Mason. Those are probably the five coaches that I could see like maybe being on the hot seat. There's none of them um, outside of Matt Luke and Gus Malzahn that I think is like you know really hot right this minute. Um, you know, I, I definitely think Gus Mal- or I definitely think that Matt Luke is the most likely to be fired just because. Um, I think they're most likely to not be good, and I think that he's not really the long-term answer. Um, you know, it's just the only thing with Matt Luke is they don't really have an athletic director right now, and they don't, you know, I don't know if they even have, like, a president of the university right now. I think they're just kind of, like, in complete, like, you know, flux. So I'm not sure if someone – I'm not sure who's going to fire him and then who's going to replace him because he doesn't really have a boss right now, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, that, that's, that's another factor, too, uh, when you make an athletic director change, uh, usually an athletic director does not like to uh, fire someone in his or her first year on the job because that pretty much just starts the time clock for them. 
But at the same time, uh, Matt Luke is not playing for the athletic director that hired him either. That athletic director is now the athletic director at Texas A&M. So that, you know, that makes a difference. But I do think that uh, Matt Luke is not safe. And uh, with the roster he's got coming back this year, he's going to have to uh, coach out of his mind, I think, in order to uh, keep his job. Because it's Ole Miss fans are restless with him. Even though he is a, you know, a former Ole Miss alum, played under uh, Tuberville and Cutcliffe, uh, he's got he's got some time to he's got he's he's got to really uh, prove himself to not just the uh, fan base but to a lot of people. Yeah, and um, you know I can see maybe you know Muschamp if South Carolina is just getting blown out like every game, you know maybe Missouri if they lose like some bad games like to some you know way below average teams early in the season. Um, you know, Derek Mason, if they just go like, you know, 0-12 or something, which I don't think is going to happen, but like maybe like 1-11 or 2-10, or they just have like a the bottom completely falls out this season, which I don't think is going to happen, but, you know, those are just maybe some other options as well. And then obviously, you know, Gus Malzahn, I don't think, you know, I think me and you both expect Auburn to actually be pretty good this year, so it's not going to be an issue, but, you know, I feel like there's definitely some angst there as well. Um and then moving on, this is just kind of a general question, but like bold, bold prediction. Just give me just like a really bold prediction for this season. <clears throat> All right, so I saved this one for uh, for my bold prediction, but I actually think Florida is going to regress slightly this year and finish at eight and four, which is less than what they finished last year when they finished nine and three. I think last year they overachieved, and uh, this is uh, a team that has a little bit tougher schedule upcoming this season. And the way the schedule sets up, I, I I could see them losing as many as four, maybe even five games, and and if they finish at eight and four, like how I projected on their schedule, uh, Florida fans might get slightly a little bit restless, and and I mean it's kind of just what the expectations that Dan Mullen has put on the program uh, to start competing with Georgia. I don't think they're there yet. I mean I still think they're going to get better over time with Dan Mullen, but just finishing eight and four this year would really make things restless in Gainesville even though I think Mullen's got them heading in the right direction yeah and I agree what's crazy is that like I actually picked South or I picked Florida to go like eight and four but then I also had them beating Georgia which is just kind of pretty crazy bright spot of the season but that's just that's just me and my crazy predictions um but you know what college football is crazy so you never know uh you almost got to predict craziness to be right you do but uh Anyway, I'm actually have a maybe even more bold prediction than that, if you can believe it. Um, my bold prediction for this year is that um, South Carolina wins either um, they either win at Georgia at home versus Alabama um, at home versus Clemson or at Texas A&M. I believe they're going to win one of those four games. Obviously, it makes it a little bit less bold since I threw in Texas A&M as well. Because um, they're not quite on the same levels as other three teams, but I just I don't know, man. I just really believe in South Carolina this year. Maybe to a fault. Um, I just really believe in uh, Will Muschamp. I mean, not Will Muschamp so much as much as just Jake Bentley and you know Will Muschamp getting that defense turned around, and then you know obviously what he's able to do on special teams as well. So that's just kind of uh, what I'm going with there, and then. Um, I guess my last question, or not my last question, but my next question would be between like Georgia and Alabama, like who would you consider to be like least likely to make it to Atlanta? If that makes sense, like I mean, obviously, like they're both like huge favorites to make it there. Like, who would you think would be like least likely, or like what situation could arise where one of them does not make it to Atlanta? I would have to go with Georgia. I mean, I just think Alabama's just too loaded on uh, both sides of the ball. I think they're you know Alabama's just way too loaded for me. Uh, Georgia, I could definitely see them slipping up and losing a game or two. And uh, the team that I think that could uh, possibly supplant Georgia in the East and take the East this year if, if everything goes you know the way that it needs to go would be Missouri. Uh, the, the way their schedule is favorable. Even I think Missouri there has a scenario in which they could make it to Atlanta without even beating Georgia, which is entirely possible. I mean, if Georgia stumbles and loses two or three games and Missouri wins another game that they shouldn't, they could make it to Atlanta over Georgia. Yeah, they could, and you know I picked Missouri to do really well last year. So obviously this year I'm kind of not as high on them, just because I'm mad at them for sucking last year. But uh, I definitely think you know their schedule lines up perfectly, and I do like Kelly Bryant as well. And Derek Dooley actually did pretty well as offensive coordinator last year, and 
you know, Larry Roundtree is probably one of the more underrated players in the conference at running back. So, you know, I mean, I really do like Missouri. I just, you know, I'm just kind of gun shy after last year. Um, and um, I would just, you know, I obviously I picked uh, Georgia to lose to Auburn and Florida. Um, so those are definitely the two games I feel like most likely for them to lose. Um, I feel like Alabama traveling to Texas A&M is definitely not an easy win. Um, definitely a game they could lose, but you know I'm just not sure Texas A&M is quite on the level of Alabama. I think their secondary is a little bit too much of a liability um, going up against that offense with so many playmaking receivers and to it throwing the ball around. So that's just kind of where I stand on that. But no, I don't really think there's much of a chance that uh, that's not the Atlanta matchup this year. I think it's pretty much just going to be Alabama Georgia. Um, you know, I mean maybe Auburn could like really surprised and beat Alabama at home this year. You know, they have been known to do that from time to time. So, I don't know. Maybe Auburn can do something, but I just, I don't know. I just, I think it's pretty much just going to be Alabama and Georgia. Um, yeah, I mean, as boring as that is. It's a safe pick. It's a boring pick, but it's the most logical pick, too. All right, and this one's a little bit more fun. Not SEC related, but which uh, non-Power 5 team is most likely to make a New Year's 6 this year? Well, uh, you know, the way the contracts are aligned, uh, the highest-ranking non-Power 5 team uh, of, the, of the group of five conferences will make a New Year's Six Bowl. And I don't think it's going to be UCF this year. I think uh, UCF's going to lose a few games in their conference. But this non-Power 5 team is going to come for the same conference as UCF. And I think that team is going to be a team that breaks through and finally makes it, beats UCF on the way, and that'll be Memphis. I think Memphis is going to make it to a, to a, a New Year's Six this year. And uh, they got a lot. They got a lot of starters back on defense and experienced defense. They got one of the highest touted defense coordinators in the country, a rising star. And of course, you got Mike Norvell uh, running the offense with a Brady White coming back another year at quarterback. I like Memphis to uh, be the group or the the group of five New Year's Six representative this year. Yeah, that's a good pick. It's actually exactly who I was going to pick as well. Um, I just feel like it kind of lines up for him well this year. Um, really explosive offense, and you know, obviously they get that Ole Miss game week one to really, you know, I mean, I know Ole Miss isn't like a a great team, but you know, just someone, you know, a team that they can get a big win against week one. It's a Power Five team and SEC team, so you know, I definitely think if they can win that game, then they're well on their way. Um, but even if they lose that game, I think they're still going to be favored in you know at least ten of their next eleven games. So you know, definitely um, a really good chance for Memphis to have a big year this year um, and I hope they do because you know I live in Memphis so definitely like pulling for for Memphis a little bit as you know kind of like a non you know all my modern school to pull yeah. for I guess sort of um, all right and then I guess we can sort of transition back into our SEC questions and you may have already answered this with your player of the year but who do you have as your offensive player of the year um, in the SEC this year uh, my offensive player of the year is Tua I mean he just yeah I mean, it's it's boring, but it's the most obvious pick here. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, I was, I'm going with two as well, but just to throw some other names out there, I, I actually do think Najee Harris, the running back, is going to have a big year as well. I think Alabama's going to get try, is going to try to get back to more of a physical offense and run the ball, and I think he's going to be their best running back, especially with Trey Sanders getting hurt. And then, you know, I mean, there's great players all over the conference. I mean, especially a running back. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift to Georgia obviously has a chance to have a huge year. You know, I'm really high on Jake Bentley this year. I think that, you know, just him being a senior and just the sense of urgency that comes with that. Um, and I just, you know, I mean, I actually think that Jake Bentley is a little bit better than uh, – I think he played a little bit better last year than maybe some people give him credit for. Um, he had some really big games uh, last year. Uh, the Clemson game really sticks out to me as well. Um, he had a huge game against Ole Miss. I mean, I guess everybody does, but, um, you know, he had some huge games still on the ball, and I I just think he's a little bit undervalued going into this season. Um, so, I mean, those are just some other guys to keep an eye on, I guess, just because, you know, two is a little bit obvious pick. Um, and then what about a defensive player of the year? And I'm pretty sure I know who you're going to pick. <laughs> and if you pick the same player, I'm going to say I'm about to be really pissed. You're probably about to be pissed off at me. But uh, this is another obvious pick for me. <laughs> another obvious pick, another logical pick, and that's Grant Delpit. Uh, he is an absolute stud. Uh, obvious obvious top ten pick in this year's draft, maybe even top five. Uh, he is just one of the next great uh, you know, defensive backs to come out of LSU. Yeah, and that is who I was going to say as well. And, 
you know, kind of disappointed. At least I asked for, at least you answered the question uh, correctly, unlike Alex, um, who when I asked him in the offseason who a breakout player was, he said Grant Delbert, even though Grant Delbert was like an All-American last year. But <laughs> nonetheless... That's like uh, Alex's answer anyway. Right. So nonetheless, I also will say Grant Delbert. I hate that we're like agreeing on that, but I feel like those two picks are just really obvious. Grant Delbert's a stud. He's going to be a first-round draft pick, and... Um, he's going to be all conference this year and the defensive player of the year. Um, all right. And then how about your final standings for the SEC West and the SEC East? What, uh, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll start off with the East here. we got uh, obvious number one is going to be Georgia. I think they're going to finish 11-1, slip up in one game. I've got Missouri finishing second in the standings at 9-3. Got Florida at 8-4. and uh, I got fourth place Tennessee at 7-5. Fifth place South Carolina at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, sixth place Kentucky at six and six, and seventh place Vanderbilt at four and eight. And moving on to the West, we've got Alabama rolling through their schedule, finishing twelve and zero at number one. At number two, I've got LSU at ten and two. At number three, I've got Auburn breaking through and going nine and three, making it to a New Year six. And fourth place, I got Texas A&M going eight and four. At in fifth place, I got Mississippi State, uh, kind of over exceeding expectations, maybe by a game, and finishing at eight and four. I've got Ole Miss at sixth at five and seven, and lastly I've got Arkansas at seventh at four and eight. Yeah, and mine is pretty similar in the East. I have Georgia one, Missouri two, Florida three, Kentucky four, South Carolina five, Tennessee six, Vanderbilt seven. Um, <laughs> although Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, I'm pretty sure I have like the same record for all of them, so it's kind of like a tie between those three. Um, and then the West, I have Alabama one, Auburn two, LSU three, Texas A&M. Then Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, same as you. Um, you know, I could definitely flip Ole Miss and Arkansas. Um, I could see that being flipped. Um, I feel like, For sure. yeah, I feel like Alabama was an obvious number one. I feel like Auburn and LSU are definitely two, three. You can kind of turn those around depending on your preference. And obviously, that game is at LSU this year. Um, and then, you know, Mississippi or Texas NF4, Mississippi State 5, I feel like it's pretty consensus. Um, so. Solid, uh, solid picks there. Um, and then we're just going to go around and pick our champions for every out-of-conference um, or every other conference. Um, who do you have in the Pac-12 this year, JB? In the Pac-12, I've got Oregon over Utah. Yep, and I actually have Utah over Oregon, so flip uh, fun, uh, fun exchange there. Um, Utah's defensive line is probably going to be one of the best in the country this year. They're absolutely loaded. Um, they're always ridiculous on special teams, punting, kicking, um, field position, all that. They're, you know, defense and special teams is really going to be what carries them. And, you know, they had a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball last year, and they've they've never really been like an explosive offense. But I think this year, you know, having those guys back and being a little bit healthier, they're just going to be um, just a really solid team. I really do like Oregon this year. Um, I could definitely see why a lot of people like them. You know, obviously, first round quarterback and, you know, that number one recruiting class coming in. I think Mario Cristobal is really uh got them rejuvenated up there in uh in Eugene. Um all right, and then let's go over to the Big Ten. Dear you I feel like it's gotta be between Michigan and Ohio State, but who you got? Well uh, obviously only one of the two between Michigan and Ohio State can make it to the Big Ten championship game. But I've got Michigan winning their division, playing the West winner, uh which will be the Iowa Hawkeyes. I think that the West division to me is really a wide open division. I think you could have Iowa, Nebraska and Wisconsin all vying for that spot. But I've got Michigan playing Iowa with Michigan ultimately winning that one. So Michigan will be the Big Ten champ. Yeah, you didn't learn from last year, huh? Still going with Michigan again? Still going with Michigan. I'm sticking with them. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with Ohio State. Um, I don't feel great about it. Um, you know, part of me feels like this whole Ryan Day, uh, Justin Fields thing is going to turn into a Lincoln Riley, um, Kyler Murray thing. Uh, maybe that's just maybe a little bit too much, um, too much of a leap to or too much to expect in a year, you know, year one coach, the year one quarterback. Um, but I just really don't trust uh, Jim Harbaugh offensively. I just think that he's kind of a dinosaur and he's still trying to play like his 1980. Um, he's kind of like a turning into like a less miles type. Um, in my mind, um, he's kind of, you know, where the quirkiness and all that stuff kind of turns into, you know, maybe a little bit of like hard headedness and stuff like that. And people just aren't perceiving him the same way anymore uh, because of that. 
Um, and then we will move down to the Big 12. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty – I think Oklahoma's a pretty heavy favorite. Um, and Texas may be, like, a little bit behind them. Um, what do you have in the Big 12 this year? Well, you know, in the Big 12, uh, they don't have divisions. They just do the top two teams. Uh, the team that I got Oklahoma playing in the Big 12 championship is Iowa State. I think they're poised for a breakout season. And they get their two other biggest contenders for second place in the Big 12 at home with TCU and Texas both going to Ames, Iowa. And that's going to be huge for Iowa State. And I think and Matt Campbell, I think, is one of the best rising stars in all of college football. Uh, he is incredible. He has done an awesome job at Iowa State. This is going to be the best, best team that he's had yet. But I got Oklahoma beating Iowa State. But Iowa State, I think, is poised for a breakout season in that conference. Yeah, I really like Iowa State as well. Um, another team to keep an eye on in the Big 12 this year is Baylor. I feel like Baylor has been um, a little bit underrated going into the season this year. A lot of people are talking them up like they could have a, a breakout season. So uh, definitely watch out for Baylor. But I'm also going to go with Oklahoma. I just, you know, until someone unseats them, I mean, they're just, you know, they pretty much run that conference the last few years. And, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is going to do really well there. I don't think he's going to be quite on Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray's level, but, you know, I don't think he's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft or anything like that. But, you know, I do think he's going to go there and, and play well. Um, you know, the real question is how, you know, can the defense improve? Can the defense get better? And, um, you know, that's really the question when it comes to Oklahoma. But, you know, I, I think the Big 12. You know, it kind of runs through Oklahoma until someone else proves that they can take them out. So, uh, but I do really like that Iowa State pick to play them in the championship game. That's a, you know, definitely a solid pick. I really like uh, Matt Campbell. Um, and then moving over to probably the most obvious one um, in the country, and that would be the ACC. Um, you know, I mean, I assume you have Clemson. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's definitely going to be the representative for the Atlantic side. The coastal side is where it's going to be a little bit tricky. I mean, I think you got about three schools in the coastal that will be vying for uh, to be the representative of that division. I think it's between Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Miami. But I've got Clemson playing Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech uh, has a turnaround season from last year. And uh, with a lot of with 10 starters uh, returning on offense, six on defense, Bud Foster's last season, I think they have a much-improved season. But they're not on Clemson's level. Clemson's going to win. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't much else to say. I mean, Clemson may screw around and lose a game they're not supposed to lose, but they're still going to win the division or still going to win the conference. So, um, you know, I mean, that's I mean, that's pretty much how it is. There really isn't even anyone else in the conference that I look at and think like, oh, maybe they could challenge Clemson. I mean, it's just, you know, I think Clemson's defense is probably not going to be uh, great this season, but I just don't think it's really going to matter. I just think they're so much more talented than pretty much everyone on their schedule i just don't i don't see a lot of teams especially in the acc that are gonna um take them out um so not you know pretty much elaborated on that enough i mean that's pretty much how it is um and then we can go up to uh to new york for the heisman ceremony and um who do you who are like two or three um candidates and then who do you have uh winning the whole thing this year oh man i I feel like this is another category where it's logical and it's really going to be just the Heisman Trophy to me has turned into uh, the most valuable quarterback in the country, and I think this Heisman finalist class is going to include qu- mostly quarterbacks. I I like um, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, and Tua Tagovailoa to all be finalists. I also think you got to have one running back in there, and that running back is probably going to be uh, either Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift, but it's not going to really matter. I think they're just going to be a throw-in. I like this Heisman winner to be Tua this year. I think he's going to put up a number similar to last year. And the in the kind of offense that Lawrence is in, uh, he doesn't have to put up as many numbers. It's just some. I think that Tua's offense, like he's got more weapons than Lawrence. And it's not like I'm saying Tua's better than Lawrence or, you know, Lawrence is not as good as Tua. I just think that Tua's system is going to be more favorable for him, even with the emerging running game that Saban's trying to implement again. I think that Tua is going to put up incredible numbers. It, and this is based off the fact that we hope that he stays healthy. If Tua stays healthy all season, I think he wins the Heisman. I think that's really why he didn't win the Heisman last year because he did not stay healthy all year. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna try to, um, I guess, do the best I can to keep to keep my numbers limited because there's like you know seven or eight guys that I want to say are gonna be there. But I'm gonna say Justin Herbert's gonna be there. I'm gonna say Jonathan Taylor's gonna be there. I'm going to say Najee and Tua are going to be there, but I'm going to go with uh, Trevor Lawrence to win it this year. Um, I just think that, 
he's one of those guys that I think he may just win it by default just because everybody knows he's so good, um, if that kind of makes sense. I mean, I just feel like he's um, – you know, I feel like he's definitely going to have a, a big season and stuff like that, but I just feel like he's kind of known as, like, the best player in college football right now, and um, I just think people are going to vote based on that. I think Tua and Najee Harris are probably going to take some votes away from each other, and um, I just think that Trevor Lawrence is just a safer pick. Um, you know, just a big guy, big arm, um, traditional quarterback, you know, maybe even sign with the XFL next year. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence this year. I just think he's the best player in college football, and I think that, you know, this season's going to show that, and I just feel like he's the safest pick. Um, but I do expect those other guys to have a big year as well. Najee Harris may be, like, the one surprise one. I just think, you know, I just feel like he's about to have a really big year, and he's going to get a ton of carries and really, um, you know, put up, you know, really big numbers this season um, with everybody having to focus on that passing game. And um, last but not least, uh, just go ahead and give me your final four and who you got winning the whole thing this year. All right, so we'll start off with the seeds. I've got Alabama coming away with the number one overall seed, uh, Clemson number two, Michigan number three, and Oklahoma number four. So I've got Alabama beating Oklahoma in the first semifinal, and then I've got Clemson playing Michigan and beating Michigan. So now we come to the national championship game. We've got round five of this awesome Alabama-Clemson rivalry. Uh, the series is split 2-2, so who do I have winning Game 5? I'm going to go with the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think, you know, this is their this is going to be one of their years again. Uh, they've got a lot of motivation, and I just feel like in Saban seasons went coming off of years in which they had a disappointing finish to the season or losing a national championship, they always come back with a vengeance the following season. And they just had so many weapons on that offense. I think the defense is going to be much improved. I think last year's defense was one of the worst defenses that Saban's had in the last decade. Probably the worst. Actually, it was the worst defense that he's had in the in the previous decade. Their defense is going to be much improved along with the offense that could be even better. And uh, Clemson just lost too many guys on their on their defense. I mean, Venables is an incredible defense coordinator, but he's got a little bit less to work with than he did last year. And I, I like Alabama to. Uh, win game five in the series and take on number 18. Yeah, and I have um, Alabama's the one seed going in, Clemson the two, um, Oklahoma the three, and Ohio State the four. And I have Alabama beating Ohio State, Clemson beating Oklahoma, and then I have Alabama beating Clemson, same as you, um, in the fifth matchup. Um, it's kind of gone, you know, one and one, Alabama wins, Clemson wins, Alabama wins, Clemson wins. So it's Alabama's turn. And I, as you stated, I just, I really feel like Alabama's going to have a huge edge on the defensive side of the ball um, over Clemson. I don't think Clemson's going to be bad on defense this year because they're definitely like really talented. And Brent Venables is a great defensive coordinator. But, um, you know, I just really feel like last year's game really left a bad taste in Alabama's mouth. And I just really feel like they're going to come back with a vengeance this year. And, um, you know, obviously Clemson was not the most talented secondary last season. Um, definitely had some bad games last year. But, um, you know, the defensive line was kind of able to carry them in that national championship game, especially in the red zone. And a lot of those guys have moved on. So I really feel like Alabama's going to be able to run the ball a little better on them this time and uh, get those touchdowns once they get into the red zone. And I feel like Clemson's probably not going to have so many, you know, crazy long third down conversions this time. Um like they did in the championship game last year. And uh, I just think Alabama is going to get the win because they're just a more complete team. Yeah, and that, it's it might sound like a uh, boring pick, but uh, hey, uh, you can't say that uh, we don't root for the SEC, I guess, because we, yeah. uh, we both picked Alabama. But if you remember last year, I picked Clemson in the uh, preview podcast to win the national championship. And during the season, I think I actually may have flipped that thinking Alabama was the team to beat. But uh, ultimately, what I said in July came to fruition with with uh, Clemson. So maybe this year will be the kind of it might be kind of the same. I might pick Alabama in the preseason, and then Clemson might come away blowing the doors off everybody in a weak ACC, and they might look like they're invincible. But I am gonna roll. I'm rolling with Alabama. I think this is an, another championship coming up for Nick Saban. Uh, this may be this this could turn out to be a historical team for Alabama. I thought last year was historical, and they didn't propel. This year could be the best team Saban's ever had. Yeah, and it should be exciting to see. Um, hopefully it's not nearly as chalk as we have predicted. Hopefully there's a little bit more chaos in that. Maybe, you know, Alabama will have, like, two losses and Clemson will lose, you know, to, like, I don't know, Wake Forest or somebody. 
that they're not supposed to lose to because <laughs> they seem like they always do that yeah. every year. So yeah. hopefully it won't be as chalk as we predicted. Hopefully it'll be more exciting. We're definitely pulling for that. Right. And I, I mean, even though the ACC is is not a very strong conference this year, uh, they Clemson could still lose a game and still run the table and make it to the college football playoff. But I think they can. They're guaranteed that they can lose at least one game and and still make it. They're just that respected around the country. All right, and with that, that'll pretty much wrap us up. Um, went a little bit longer than I thought we were going to, actually. Um, but anyway, that's that. Um, that's our season preview, and uh, we'll be back on Sunday to um, talk about Alabama and Georgia and then also to recap the Florida-Miami game and talk about what happened there. And then next Wednesday, we'll have we'll get into our full swing. We'll be previewing uh, all those Week 1 matchups, and uh, you know we'll start with our two – uh, two show a week schedule um, you know usually probably gonna be released uh, Wednesday night and Sunday night so um, we got that to look forward to and uh, JB you got anything else you want to add I do not but I'm excited to get into uh, this routine that we're about to have uh, with our uh, previews and recaps uh, every season or every uh, week of this season so I'm excited for that and uh, this 2019 season I'm hoping it's gonna be a hell of a lot better than 2018 and uh, I think we're going to have a little more excitement this year. I th- we're due for it. Yeah, I agree. And um, on that note, we're going to go ahead and get up on it, get up on out of here. And uh, Brad's going to take y'all home. And we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.